Podcast family. What is going on? I hope that wherever you are in the world, you're doing fantastic. We have another amazing episode of the podcast for you today. We have Nick Velasquez on, who is the author of Learn, Improve, Master, How to Develop Any Skill and Master It. Um, This is a fantastic episode. We're definitely kindred spirits. He wrote a fantastic book and it's full of amazing tools and processes, very similar to Zen Athlete. You know, I I wrote the book to share the best principles and tools and strategies so you can apply them. And Nick did the same thing and and it's a really fantastic episode. So we, we cover a ton of ground in this podcast. We talk about why he loves Japan so much, attention to detail, growth mindset versus uh, fixed mindset, talent versus hard work, the Usain Bolt story, the art of overcoming challenge, the curse of impatience, um, why nothing easy is worthwhile, building resilience. He comes up and shares some amazing quotes, uh, why hacks are a trap, the philosophy of Kaizen, bestism instead of uh, you know overcoming the inner critic, and so much more. This is an action-packed, just full of amazing tools, which is my favorite thing. So um, this is an amazing episode. I know you're going to enjoy it. If you do like it, please take a moment to write a nice review in iTunes. It helps immensely more than you know. So if you like this podcast and you want to support, please take a moment and actually do that. I know it'll take you a second, but trust me, it, it helps a lot. So please take a moment to leave a review in iTunes. That helps. Consider becoming a patron. If you go to patreon.com forward slash Matt Belair, Thank you, all my patrons. You guys keep this going. Even if you toss a buck in the bucket, it helps tremendously to keep this show going um, and buy my daughter little tiny running shoes because they're super cute. Um, So (laughs) that helps. And uh, what else? Oh, Oh, yeah. The best way to support the show is to do three kind acts today. Even just one kind act. You can get someone's name. Um, You can say a kind word. You can listen to a friend. You can send a note to a loved one. Let them know that you care about them, a good memory or something like that. Just do a kind act today is the best way to support the show. And for those of you guys who want to join the academy and you want to learn a step-by-step master system for overcoming self-sabotage, strengthening your connection with spirit, and designing and living the life of your dreams, check out the absolutely badass Soul Compass course that is absolutely free when you join the academy. Uh, This is a course that distills the wisdom of the podcast and also hundreds, thousands of hours of personal development work and courses in a way that helps you get crystal clear on your life direction. It's not an end goal. It's a process. And you can get that at the academy. Go to mattbelair.com. You'll find the academy there and would love to have you as a part of that. And in the academy, it includes exclusive content from guests. Nick has something in there for you guys. It has course it has meditations, brainwave entrainment. So would love to have you guys a part of the academy and it supports the uh, show as well. And for those of you guys who want one-on-one coaching and you are committed to going through these processes, getting crystal clear on what you want to create in your life and you want to learn all the tools around spirituality, consciousness, peak performance, and everything that I've learned in all, all of my connections and force to help you achieve your goals, hit me up at mattbelair.com forward slash coaching and would love to work with you. Make sure that you sign up for the email list as well. Um, If you want a free lucid dreaming ebook and guided meditation, just go to mattbelair.com forward slash lucid dreaming. Pick that up. Stay connected because censorship's a real deal. And uh, that's it. So let's come into a state of peace and coherence before we get into this episode. Wherever you are in the world, just stop what you're doing. Take in a deep breath in through your nose. Hold that breath. 
and just let it out slowly, filling every cell, muscle, fiber, and atom of your being with peace, joy, confidence, connection, enthusiasm, energy, and ready to take on this incredible episode with Nick Velasquez. Hello and welcome to the Mastermind Body and Spirit Show. I'm your host, Matt Belair. Today's guest is a passionate learner and devoted student of mastery. He's the author of the popular blog, unlimitedmastery.com, where he writes about learning science, peak performance, creativity, and mastering skills. His writing has been featured in outlets such as Time and Thought Catalog. He is the author of the book, Learn, Improve, Master, How to Develop Any Skill and Excel at It. Welcome to the show, Nick Velasquez. Hey, Matt. Thanks for having me. Yeah, man. Great to have you here. We had a little chat before the show started and we're definitely, uh, you know, similar mind and uh, similar work. I, I got to browse through your book. It looks amazing. Um, we were discussing the importance of sharing effective techniques and it, and it seems like it's just chock full of effective techniques on performance, on mindset, on uh, learning. So I'm so excited to dive into this episode and, and you're over in Montreal, so you're not too far away from me. Um, but yep. why don't you tell the audience a little bit about how you got into this, why you wrote the book and what brought you to where you are today. Sure. Uh, so the book came about because I've always been obsessed with learning. I'm taking on new hobbies and new skills all the time. And I was frustrated by how difficult it was going from knowledge into skill. So one thing is knowing, uh, let's say a lot about painting and a different thing is knowing how to paint. So I started researching learning science and neuroplasticity, peak performance, all these different things, trying to find the book, the book that I eventually had to write because I couldn't find exactly the principles and strategies to become a better learner. So, and halfway through the research, that's when um, I was trying to build a guide for myself. That was going to be the guide for the rest of my life to learn anything I wanted. But then I figured if I'm putting all this work, I might as well just turn it into a book and solve it for everyone else. But had I known the amount of work that I was getting myself into, I don't, I don't think I would have done it. <laughs> I, I was lucky that I was so ignorant about the process and I was so passionate about the subject because otherwise this book would not exist. That's amazing. Well, I, I definitely hear that when I, when I started writing Zen Athlete, I was like, oh yeah, we, I got this. And then you, <laughs> it's, like, it's like you reach this point where it's too late now. And you're like, all right, I've gotten this far, so I'm going to have to keep going. Um, so that's, that's amazing. And you're saying too, before we started the show that, uh, you know, you have two more books because you want to share the strategies and the things that learn, that help you learn and are effective. And so you also say that you like to spend a lot of time in, in, uh, Japan. And so I'm wondering yep. if you want to speak on that a little bit before we dive into, uh, some of the, some of the tools that we can, we can use to just, you know, learn, um, apply peak performance and, and take it to any skill because once you are, once you learn the process, it speeds up all other learning processes. And for me, that's an incredibly valuable thing to know. Exactly. That's the idea is that we become better learners. So it's a meta skill learning how to learn. We become better learners than we get better at everything else we try to do. The problem is that most of the time, if you want to learn how to play guitar, then you want to just learn guitar directly no one takes the time to learn how to learn first it's like the analogy would be you wanting to read a novel before ever knowing how to read so we have this amazing skill as a species 
this amazing power, which is learning. Everything we've created, everything we've done is because of our ability to learn. And we can hone that skill. It's like anything else. So if we take the, uh, one step back and then we learn how to learn, then we're going to learn everything else much faster. So whether it's a sport, art, music, anything we want. And that's why it's so important to take on that skill first, that meta skill. But Japan, um, I just love that place so much. So I try to be there three, four, four months out of the year. And I think it's just the people. Everyone is aware of everyone else. So they don't want to bother you. And so one story that would sum up Japan for me is that no one honks on the street. The thing is, let's say someone cuts you off. Yeah, you get mad. But then if you honk, now you're bothering everyone else. <laughs> and that's why they don't do it. It's to respect everyone else's silence and just peace of mind. And just living that way, it's, it's so much easier. It's amazing. Yeah, and, and you were saying too that like uh, they're thinking, they're very considerate of everybody. Like everybody's got everyone else's best interest at heart. Exactly. You go on the metro and it could be completely packed at rush hour and everyone's quiet because they know they're trying to keep silence so everyone else can rest. It's amazing. The other thing that I got the most out of the Japanese is their attention to detail and attention to quality. So when I'm there, um, I wake up around 4 a.m. and go, go to the gym and I'm walking the streets of Tokyo at that time and I see a guy his shop won't be open for a few hours and he's cleaning the street. That's not even his job. And he's washing the street and I saw him vacuuming the sidewalk in front of his shop because that's how much he cares about the, everything of his shop has to be on point. Like even the sidewalk in front of it, like that's another level. And that's how they do everything. They just have so much attention to detail and to quality. That's incredible. That's, that's so amazing. I remember seeing this video once of uh, a foreigner was traveling in Japan and they basically were saying that when somebody lets you pass them, then they flash the, the lights just to say like a thank you. Like they put on the four ways, just like, thanks for letting mm. me by. It's like, it's such a considerate place to be. And so yes. I feel like in the world we're living in, in the, in the West right now, it's so divided and it's, it's good to just remember the golden rule. You know, I think a lot mm. of people are getting really upset and really angry with each other and you can have differing opinions and and if you feel strongly you're gonna be heated but just remember the golden rule you know what i mean state your yeah. opinion um but we got a lot of ad hominem we got a lot of attacks we got a lot of people just basically being buttholes you know what i mean and mm -hmm. so if we can still have our opinion but be kinder to each other uh i think that would be a much better experience for everybody and it seems like japan is a great embodiment of that and i know that they have uh one of the blue zones there as well do you know what a blue zone is yes in, yeah. in okinawa yeah northern part of one of the islands in okinawa has like the longest lifespan in the entire world yeah 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 so for people who don't know blue zone is is the longest lifespan and and i guess best quality of life that they have. And so they, they look at the different spots in the world where that exists in Okinawa is one. So definitely on my travel list, but um, let's get into this because man, your book is, is deep. It's just full of techniques. And so let's go through a little bit. You have, um, you broke it out into three parts, uh, learn, uh, master. What's the middle one? Learn, Excel? improve, master. Learn, improve, master. So can you talk us through a bit of fundamentals? What's the best way to tackle this um, throughout the podcast? Do it in a linear way like that and share some of the techniques. Sure, we can do it that way. That would work. Okay. So the beginning part is, is about how we learn. And there's the different processes that are involved in learning anything. So in the first part, is, is divided in a couple of steps. The first step would be understanding. 
And then understanding is just making sense of information. And it's different from memorizing. So sometimes we assume that because, because we understand something that now it's internalized. And it's not how it works. So maybe you read a book or you attended a seminar and you understand everything that was taught. But then a week later, you have trouble telling someone else the, the most important lessons from either the book or the seminar. And, and that's fine because the first step in the process is just understanding, making sense of information. The mistake we make is that we assume that now is memorized. Memorizing is a completely different process. We need to internalize that information, right? Then after memory comes practice. And practice is like different points that we need to pay attention to. So is practice not the same as repetition? Some people think that because, let's use the example of music. And imagine that you know how to play guitar and every time you're gonna practice, uh, quote unquote, you sit down and you play the same songs that you already know. That's not practice, that's repetition. It's not the same, your skills are not improving. So for practice to be effective, they need to follow certain, certain rules such as you need to be focused on what you're doing. You need to be pushing your skills. So let's say if you're working on a piece of music, increasing the tempo. So now it's forcing you to stretch beyond your comfort zone. It's forcing you to be faster and you're gonna make mistakes along the way. But that's a good sign that says you're trying harder and that's what's gonna improve your skill. So that's a following step. The next one, it's simulation, it's bridging. So that's when we take something we've been practicing from the context of practice to the context of performance. And this is the example of the martial arts, which I know you, you're a martial artist, so you'll get this part pretty easily, is you, you practice some kicks or you practice some punches, um, let's say on a heavy bag. But then going from that, from practicing with a heavy bag to a fight, that's too big of a jump. You need in between. So the in between would be sparring with other martial artists or working with a coach who's pretending to punch back or hit back and now you have to evade and all these things, but you're not in the high stakes situation of an actual fight. Then once you bridge and you put those skills that you developed during practice into a simulated performance, after that point, then you move into performance. Now you're ready to fight. And in the performance, you're not practicing, you're not trying to learn, you're just executing what you know. So those are the steps involved into learning anything. You understand, memorize, practice, you bridge, and then you perform. And that takes care of the um, learning section. Then for each part, you have principles and you have strategies, which is where I discuss in depth into the book. That's I'll just move into, sure, Yeah, that's an amazing summary. Well, I'll just, I'll just chime in real quick, just in the one part that's so important. Um, you know, the simulation part and bridging the gap, because there's not, there's no substitute for like the real life scenario. So, mm. And there's a, there's a process for learning. You know, snowboarding has evolved in such an insane way from when I started. When I started snowboarding, a Switch 720 it was amazing. That was basically doing a 720 your opposite way, your unnatural way. That was the pinnacle. But now, um, through the evolution of training and simulation and also progression and evolution, people are doing, you know, triple backflip. 1620s or whatever and it's just completely bonkers but whenever i was training um a high performance athlete like uh somebody in nitro circus or um something that was high stakes it was so important to simulate because their life was on the line they could break both their legs they could break their back and so training on a trampoline um foam pits that's one example that you see yeah. it out in the world and so 
people forget that you can simulate certain things in uh, different scenarios. Like even for speaking, um, you could uh, practice your speech to a tree out in the forest. Exactly. If you were a painter, the crazy thing, the sad thing about creatives, and I feel like every creative should read the book, uh, The War of Art, and uh-huh. probably your book and my book. Because if you put Zen uh, um, art in the end of mine, it's like this process of, of basically going through the motions and making sure you do it and not stopping at, it's got to be perfect first. Because if you were painting and you applied these techniques that you share in your book, and I'm sure that some of them bridge, it's, it's really engaging in that process. And the more you do it, obviously, the better you're going to get. So why don't we move on to the second part? You can add on to the, that if you want. But I think that your summary was incredibly brilliant. And the distinctions are so important. And that sometimes people get hung up with that because they might say, oh, I've memorized it. Why don't I understand? And they get into mm. this negative loop in their mind where they're not, they're not sure why they're not performing. So then they want to give up because it's now become hard. It's become yes. uh, you know something dangerous. And people have a very poor frame of how to deal with failure and you know, failure is not a bad thing. Failure is great. It means you tried. Um, it's just a learning exactly. experience. So, um, yeah. So and it's part of the process. Yeah. It's inevitable to make mistakes and to fail along the way. And you bring up a, a great point, which is the myths and misconceptions about learning. A lot of people don't take new skills or they quit them quickly after starting because they have this unrealistic expectations of how quickly they should learn something. And part of it is, as adults, we already master or are pretty good at certain things. Uh, it might be your job. It might be a skill that you've been practicing for a long time. So we forget what it is to be a beginner again. And then when we try something new and we suck, we're like, I'm not, <laughs> I'm not good for this. Like, I don't have what it takes. And that's a false belief. It's just you forgot what it feels like to be a beginner. You forgot what it feels like not to know how to walk, you know? So, and then we have this expectation that we should get it so quickly. And if we don't, then we think, it's our fault somehow. Like we don't have the talent. And in reality, talent doesn't play that big of a role in developing and mastering skills. It gives an edge and that's important. Yes, if you wanna be the best at something, you do need some genetics part on your side. If you wanna be the best swimmer in the world, then you do need some genetics on your part. But anyone can be among the best or even just your best, which is just as worthy and just a noble of a goal. Um, so a lot of people just put on talent as a way to hide behind it, saying, I don't have it, so I'm not even going to try. Like, that's not what it is. Talent just gives an, an edge. It's not the bulk of learning and mastering skills. So there are a few myths and misconceptions about how we learn. Um, the other ones about making mistakes. We assume that we, because we're making mistakes, then everything's wrong and we're not good for it. And no, making mistakes is just a natural part of the process. Everyone makes tons of mistakes. We forget that even Mozart, Shakespeare, they all had to make mistakes learning their craft. Mozart was not born playing perfect piano. That did not happen. (laughs) So even the so-called prodigies of history, all of them had to develop the skill. No one skips the process. No one, ever. We all have to go through mistakes. We have to go through the struggle. It's just part of what it is. And I see this often learning languages the people that are willing to make mistakes and fail are the ones that learn the language the fastest. I'm usually on the other side. I'm, I'm too shy to make mistakes, uh, to go outside and talk to the native speakers. And so it, it takes me longer. And that's what it is. We're sometimes perfect preparers. We don't want to jump in the pool before we, we know how to swim. And you can't, you can't do it that way. You need to jump to learn how to swim. 
So there are these different myths and misconceptions that I also discussed there. Um, and the biggest hope, the whole premise of the book is that most of the time we're seeing the end result of things. We're seeing the performance, the glamour. So imagine you see a magic illusion. See a magician vanishes a card, makes it reappear somewhere else, and you, we are amazed by it. We think we could never do that. But if we could peek behind the illusion, we would see that there is a process that we could follow too. We could also learn sleight of hand and do the same effect. So most of the time it happens the same. We, we read the novel of an author that, is, that we really like and we think we can never do something like that. We see a quarterback playing a game, we could never do that. We think all these things because we're seeing the refined product, the end result, and not the process behind it. So my goal was, let me show you what happens behind the scenes. Let me show you what the process is. So at that point, all these dreams that maybe have been frustrated in your life, maybe you wanted to learn to play guitar and you thought you didn't have what it took, is to show you, yes, you can, here is how. That's the entire premise. That's amazing, man. And I, and I totally agree. It reminds me of Growth Mindset by Carol Dweck, which I'm yes. sure you've come across. And, and, you know, that whole book is just on one principle of what you're speaking about here. And I remember uh, reading that book and this was, this was uh, recently. And I was just like, yeah, I've heard this before, but she goes through um, all of the important details of the difference between growth mindset and fixed mindset. And so the body of work is amazing and transformational. You know, I kind of knew that intuitively where through martial arts, they teach you it's mind, body, spirit, but a lot of it is it's getting your butt kicked and doing things that are really, really hard. You know what I mean? And so I'm like, yeah. Oh, okay. Th this is just normal. Same with skateboarding. Actually, he's a great teacher. Um, Jordan Peterson has a book and I forget what the title is, but uh, 12 rules for life. And one of them is, life. Yeah. yeah, don't, don't bother kids while they're skateboarding. Skateboarding is only failure. You know what I mean? I'm a, it's funny now because I'm an older adult and I skateboard and there's a bunch of kids and some scooter kids going around and I'll just fall right on my ass like so hard. And you know, I'm kind of big and, and a bit muscular. So you have this big, sweaty, old man, bearded fellow cruising around the skate park, just eating it, <laughs> right? And getting up. But you know, and you'll hear comments here and there where people are like, oh, you fell like, like, oh my goodness, like this is a big deal. But if you skate, you realize that that's 90% of it. And understanding the process, right? Um, they say they'll take hard work over talent any single day. Uh, mm -hmm. Talent, if anything, might be a curse a lot of the time because we expect it to be easy again. And it's those who can overcome adversity over and over and over and over and over again are the ones that really excel. And it's such a great point to say, hey, we're, we're watching the finished product. And if you look at UFC, if you look at martial artists, if you look at uh, any entrepreneur and you study them, Gary Vee, I like because he just, you know, he, he's super realistic. You know mm. what I mean? He doesn't shine it up with a, you know, it's easy and we're just going to 10X through, you know, no work. It's like, no, you're going to have to work your butt off and yeah. do these other things. It's going to help. And so uh, it makes it real. And, and um, so do you want to, do you want to keep going with the next part? Because even with what you're sharing here, when you get the book and I invite you guys, you can even go to Amazon to kind of check out the chapters it's, you know, ridiculous. Part of the way I interview sometimes if someone's written a book, I'll, I'll go through the um, chapters and, and look at what is most exciting to me. And yours are just every single one is, is a practical tool. And so I'm going to let you speak on which ones you feel are, are most important. Oh, we can keep chatting also about yeah, yeah. talent and hard work. Um, I have two stories for you. Well, one uh, is about Usain Bolt. 
So we usually see Usain Bolt just smiling and posing for the cameras after the Olympics or after a race and stuff. And during the research, I was looking into these documentaries and these videos, and I saw one where he's running and then he stops and starts throwing up and then he keeps running like it's nothing. And then they're interviewing him and he's like, well, that's what it takes. It's just, <laughs> then he said, after losing to Blake, I think it was before the Rio Olympics, he said, the amount of work that I put in, I was throwing up every day for a month. And that's the thing. That's the part that we don't often see. And then I always thought that they added that as maybe a way to make him, make him seem larger than life. But no, he's just that way. And most people say he's a genetic freak. No, he's mostly just freak. And, and you're trying to deny that that happens to make to feel better about your own efforts. <laughs> but then you realize, man, I, I don't push myself hard enough. Like that's really pushing it. And we would imagine him showing up to practice, smiling and skipping and, and all good. And it's not that way. He was saying some days you wake up and you know you're going to train and it's going to be hard and you don't want to do it. And you really don't want to do it, but you have to. And people don't understand how hard that is. So I think it's very important that we always try to look, look behind that glamour of the performance and see what it really takes. And then we get to decide if it's really what we want to do or not. The other story that I wanted to share with you is I went learning uh, motorcycle racing. So it's an exciting sport, dangerous sometimes. And towards the end of, of the first day, it was a, three, a weekend of just teaching and then racing. The last turn of the last lap, because, because of course, that's when things happen, right? <laughs> <laughs> it's just the last turn because of I, course <laughs> yeah. and i took it too fast and i just came out of the truck uh, the truck i fell hard my head first first the the helmet oh my, my shoulder everything i was rolling rolling and then i just stood still I, I didn't know how bad i had fallen and i'm trying not to move to not make make things worse the marshal comes in and he's like hey call the ambulance this guy's not moving he comes to me. He's like, hey, are you okay? I'm like, that's fine. Just give me a second. Uh, <laughs> I need to catch my breath. I don't know what happened. So finally, nothing really happened. Like I was able to walk away without harm. Not for the bike. The bike. <laughs> ton of the bike that was, got destroyed. And then the next day, so right after that truck, I, I got scared about riding motorcycles again. Like immediately. And I was afraid, afraid of going on a bike. And the moment I got home, it's like, I need to go on a bike and at least go around the corner because otherwise this fear is, is going to consume me and, and I won't be able to ride again. And I made such a big deal out of that fall. Kept playing it over and over in my head. I was dreaming about it, but I still had another day and I didn't know if I should do it. And everyone told me like, don't do it. That's ridiculous. You're being insane. You already fell. Like you, you cheated death. Uh, why would you do this again? I'm like, I don't want to end like this. I want to go back. So I went back and I was really scared. And then I talked to my teacher and I said, like, I fell yesterday. I'm like waiting for his sympathy. I'm like, great. That's awesome that you fell. <laughs> like, what are you talking about? Like, yeah, you got it out of the way. Now you know what it feels like. It's all good. There are two types of riders. Those who, those who have fallen and those who are about to fall. <laughs> so, so the thing it turns out is that it's common in the sport to fall. It does happen. I thought it was very rare and that's why I made a big deal out of it. Mm. I took that mistake, that failure as definitive as me just being the worst writer ever. And in reality, other 14 people had fallen that same day. I just didn't see it because I was too focused on my own thing. So it does happen. And that's the thing. If we 
take whatever mistake, whatever failure we experience, and we add the wrong narrative, then it can make us quit. And I was ready to quit. And I'm so glad that I went back and then I realized, oh, it's not a big deal. And then people fail on that day too. It's like, well, that's what the sport is. You fall sometimes. So it's important to have the right expectation and then talk to people and know what you're getting yourself into and understand that mistakes happen and failures will happen. It's part of the process. That's a really great story. Um, one of the things that I learned quickly in snowboarding when I was teaching people about the mental game was uh, you fall and sometimes you fall really hard. And there are many skateboarders, snowboarders, extreme sports athletes that have a fall and never do it again. Now, it could be for good, good reason, and there's no problem with that because maybe it hurt or they got injured, and that's fine. Um, sometimes it's something small. And what happens is when the fall happens or the accident happens, they replay it over and over in their mind. So, you know, I remember us doing a backflip at uh, Canada Olympic Park, and uh, for whatever reason, some like the one of the guys that was grooming the jumps yells as I'm about to do the backflip, go upside down. So I think somebody is at the bottom of, of the jump. So I immediately just fan out and like to a squirrel. And so I'm just, <laughs> if you can imagine the worst case scenario of doing a backflip, going upside down and staying there, that's what I was at. And I couldn't do anything. I was upside down and just like, Oh my God. And so uh, I fell on my head, but luckily it was a softer day and, and I was fine. Um, but it freaked me out, but I immediately went and I did the exact same trick again. Um, after I like yelled at the guy being like, what in the hell? There was no one there. Why wh who were you talking to? Why would you do that? Um, and yeah. so as I went up the chairlift, what I did was I visualized me doing the trick perfectly. And so I didn't start reimagining and like, you know, you've, you've looked at neuro connections and how we make yes. connections in the brain. Well, when it becomes emotional and you're afraid, that's a really great way to fire and connect neurons is through emotion and fear will bind them together. It's one of the craziest ones. And so you need to replay that and say, what is it that I wanted to do? How can I do that? Reassess it. But you don't um, identify with the failure and you make it a part of you. Like people will make that failure a part of them. They'll mm -hmm. integrate it. And, and, and what people at high levels of mastery do is they overcome the challenge. And you see this in fighting as well in martial arts, um, similar to your example of falling. Um, and that's why extreme sports um, athletes are, the, for me, the pinnacle of mental toughness because of their level of uh, danger. It's all on the line. It's this real fine needle. Yes. You go back in the day, it would be samurais right? Like what's more dangerous, a samurai or a boxer? Well, boxing's kind of dangerous, but getting cut open by a sword is, is mm -hmm. much, much more. So their level of attention to detail and their mastery would be much higher than, um, you know, that level. And so when you go down to like your everyday Joe, where they don't have a lot of consequence, right? There's not a lot of reason, like same with a basketball shot. You can say, hey, visualization will help you improve the probability of making this shot. They may or may, may believe you, but they might not practice it because when they miss the shot, they're not going to break both their legs at the mm -hmm. same time or get cut yes. open by a sword, right? So these techniques and skills are essential and they, and they work and they're really critical to use and to understand and to overcome the adversity. So in martial arts, when you get good, you learn that you're going to get hit. You know, you have this imagination before you do martial arts that you're not going to get hit. 
that you're the ninja mm -hmm. on every single movie you've ever seen. You're going to dodge it like the Matrix, right? But you'll see the best fighters in the UFC, they'll take a punch right in the face, but they'll be staring right at the person. So mm -hmm. then they're going to be hitting them with another one because they, they have a different perspective of what it is. And like you said, a different understanding. And it's yes. so important to be able to frame your mistakes, to frame the adversities, to frame the failures in a very empowering way. And what's happening is people are identifying with that failure and integrating it. And then that idea will move into all other areas of life everything else, not just that yes. snowboard fall, not just uh, the failure on the bike. The next time you want to write a book or you're thinking about doing a seminar, you want to try this small business. Oh, I failed in small business before. So what? You know what I mean? I think mm -hmm. it was like uh, Colonel Sanders got like 1100 no's before like KFC or something like that. It's one of the famous yeah. stories, you know, or the Rocky, the Rocky story, you know, Sylvester Stallone is like, was an actor and he went to everybody with scripts like two or three times, you know, then he sold his dog for Pete's sakes. And then he was at the lowest point in his life. Have you heard the story? No, I haven't. Yeah. He's at the That's lowest not... point of his life. His girl leaves him. He, you know, he, he has no uh, uh, money for rent. And so he's at the lowest part of his life after he sold his dog that day. And then he comes home and watched a boxing fight and writes Rocky. And then, so he writes the script and he says, I have to act in it. And they're, they're offering him like five grand for just a script, but he can't act. He says, no. And they, they go, okay, 10 grand, 20 grand. He just keeps saying no, 200 grand or something. He's like, uh-uh, I have to act in it. So they're like, okay, we're going to give you like five grand and you know, we'll give you a part of the royalties. And he mm. does Rocky and just absolutely smashes it. And so, wow. you know, there's, that story is not unique, right? Yep. success is inevitable if you don't give up and it builds your character the whole way. And so that's a rant. Do you want to add on to any no, of that? Exactly. I agree with that. And some of the strategies for getting over mistakes is part is separating the performance from the performer. So understanding that if you made a mistake, that's just a mistake. It's not, it's not necessarily something wrong with you. So people start assuming it as their identity. They say, I'm a failure instead of I failed. And the idea is, well, it's not that you're not good enough. It's that you're not good enough yet, but you can get there. And that's the point. You focus on getting better each time. The other one is just, get, just letting go of mistakes because few times the one mistake we made, let's say in a fight, stay, staying with martial arts, it's rarely the one single punch that they land, that like the opponent landed that is going to take you down is that you start thinking about it. You start judging what you've done so far or what's going to happen next. So it takes you away from the present moment. But usually just the first mistake is not the worst one. It's when you let it snowball. It's the second, third, and fourth. That's what kills you. That's the one that destroys you. When you start like second guessing yourself, like now I'm going to get hit again. And now you're scared. And like you said, the good ones are still looking They're like, okay, I got the punch, but it doesn't matter. Like I'm still here and I keep doing like st stick to the plan, stick to the training. Um, that's something else. Sometimes when we make a mistake, we throw all our training out of the window. Like, no, you're, you're supposed to stick with your training. That's why you spend so much time training. <laughs> if you're not going to trust it when it matters most, then why go through it at all? And that's what they do in armed forces. Like they teach you the training, like this is what you're supposed to do and stick with it because it will give you the best chances of success. And in their case, survival. And it's tough, it's tough to stick to our plan and to stick to our training. But that's what we're supposed to do. That's why we practice. Yep, absolutely. It's uh, 
the process. I was going to think of something, but I kind of forget it now. I want to, have we touched on anything around um, like principles for learning? I've kind of, we've gone in there a little bit, but again, when I scroll the chapters and I, I definitely invite you guys to check out, even if you go on Amazon to kind of look at all the chapters, you've got uh, like the principles, which are like six things, uh, mm -hmm. understand, memorize, memory versus association. Um, there's just so much in here. So when we're, when we're going through the process of learning, what are some of the important things to remember? So we've made the decision that we want to learn guitar. We want to learn small business. And I, this is just a side note, but I love like giving this, this idea to people. I find it very sad how many people don't consider how powerful and amazing that they are like their capabilities as a human being. And I'll just give an example. Like if you're listening to this podcast and you imagine like your mother or your son or someone you love and they said, okay, um, your son or mom or daughter is going to die. Uh, you know, it, let's say this little, little gremlin devil thing came out. I said, they're going to die in a year. If you don't figure out what your life passion is and how to make, uh, let's say $6,000 a month on what your life passion is. You have one year to figure that out. With that level of dedication, of will, of like directed energy of what you're capable of, you would figure out whatever it was. If you're like, you have to master the guitar, like uh, Leonard Skinner or I don't know who the best guitar are, you know, Jimi Hendrix in a year, your will would go into it and you would figure it out with that level of will. And we're not engaging with that power. Right. And that's what you're kind of saying too, with the process. And that's what all the great minds have said. It's not, you know, it's not the first book that was the mastery. It's not the second book or painting. It's not the third song or painting. You know, even like Kanye West, West comes to mind where he sings like one song. He says, you know, I was making beats for three summers, you know, all day, every day. And that's just three summers, but he's not going to give up. So where are you after 10 years of dedication? And when I was training with the Shaolin monks, that's what I realized when I interviewed Master Go, who could break stone with two fingers. He could break bigger pieces over his head. And I was like, how is that possible? And he basically said years of training, years of, of conditioning the fingers and also learning about chi and the inner systems of the body and meditation and directing energy. And I was just thinking, if I ap applied a fraction of that toward a worthy goal, it would happen. And so wouldn't it be great to apply, you know, a good amount of that dedication? But I think it starts with the idea of what is meaningful to you that you would actually put that level of will right? Because the example says, oh, wow, you're going to kill someone. So now this will comes out, but that's available to us. That energy is available to us. And so we got to figure out what that is to then apply all of these principles that you're talking about to experience it. And anybody who's done it um, will say the same thing, that you're capable of it. These are the processes and tools, and you 100% have the ability to do the same thing. For sure. One of the things is that no skill can resist the relentless attack of delivery practice. You can learn. Say that again. You say, say that again. That was so great. And with an accent, you got to say that again. That was brilliant. <laughs> that no skill can resist the relentless attack of delivery practice. And oh, all skills that. are learnable. So all, all this that we have in the world, we made it up. There was no football in nature. There was no hockey. There was none of these things. We made them up. They're skills that we created. And in the same way, we can learn them. It's just a matter of applying ourselves to it. Sometimes we underestimate how much we can do over the long term. So a big chunk of it is just doing the work every day. You put in the work and that's what masters do. 
mastery itself, and we're skipping ahead of one of the sections, but there's nothing fundamentally different if you're pursuing mastery versus learning something. I mean, the practice is the same. The study is the same. It's mostly about mindset. Is Are you doing the work every day? Are you committed the long term? And are you willing to give everything you have? And that's really the difference. And in reality, if we break it down, it doesn't take that much. It's a couple of hours a day of focused training. It's doing it every day for years. That's the tough part. But if we chunk it down to say, and this is a strategy that recovering alcoholics and addicts to use, it's just called winning the day. And with the respect and admiration that they deserve, we're going to borrow it for ourselves in trying to master something, which is if they think about how many days they've been drinking and then suddenly trying to stop, that's it's, it's too much, it's too heavy. And if they think of trying to stay sober for the rest of their lives, it's overwhelming. So what they try to do and what they teach them is like, just think about in terms of, I won't drink today. That's it. Yesterday, I don't mind what happened. Maybe you fell off the wagon yesterday, but don't matter. Just today. So it doesn't matter the past. Don't think about the future. Think of today. And we do the same in trying to master something. Is hey, I'm going to practice today really hard. I don't care how long I've been doing it. I don't care how much more I'm going to have to do it to get really good. Just today. And I try to apply that in exercise. And I train every day. And there's not a day that I don't think, I don't want to do this. Okay, it's been years. And to this day, I never wake up thinking, this is so awesome. I want to go train. No, <laughs> never. <laughs> yep. It becomes a habit. It becomes a routine. It gets easier, but it's never that I think it's a pleasure that I'm going to do it. Once I start doing it, it's different. It's like jumping in a cold pool. You don't want to jump, but once you're in there, okay, it's fine. It's okay. But you don't want to jump first time. So, and what I try to do is, is just that. Is don't think about how many days straight you've been training. Don't think about how many more you have to train to reach your goals. Just today, train today, put all your energy today. And then tomorrow, we'll see. I'm allowed to quit tomorrow if I want to, but not today. And you just renew that vow every day. <laughs> That's how you get better at anything. It just takes one day. Yeah, I, I absolutely agree. And I, and I love the mindset around that. And, and there's power and consistency. And um, does your book talk anything about motivation? I feel people, you know, are, are really, um, what they'll say is like, I don't have the motivation or inspiration. And you touched on something that's really important there is a lot of people think that, you know, oh, the people that are successful in business, the people that are great at martial arts, the people that are great at music or have quote unquote made it. Um, like my buddy, Adam Roa, you know, we were, we were homies for a while. We went to Egypt together and he did spoken, spoken word poetry and, um, you know, he was amazing at his craft and, uh, you know, then he blew up on YouTube and I was like, I don't know, 20, something stupid, like hundred million views on Goalcast or something, something ridiculous. Um, yeah. but you know, we had chatted after and it's just process. He's still in the process. He's always evolving that process. He couldn't just have that one thing and that it ends. That was a result of him continuing the process. And now he is still continuing the process and where he'll be in five years or 10 years or whatever. Some things I like to say is like, or sometimes I like to say like the result isn't up to you, right? Stick with the process, let the result, you know, give your best, right? Stick yes. with the process, give your best and you'll get better. And you, you made another great point earlier on. I like to give the example to my clients that like, you know, when you're a kid and you, you first have like your training wheels, right? Mm -hmm. You're not, you're not on a huge, let's say you want to do downhill biking. You're not doing a huge downhill bike yet. You start with the training wheels, then you get the training wheels off. And then once you get better, you see more options with your skill, but it needs to be developed. 
So as an adult, mm -hmm. you have to have that humbleness of just being a beginner and then giving yourself 10 years. And so when you think of it in that frame, it changes the game. And I remember there's a quote that says, uh, most people overestimate what they can do in one year and underestimate what they can do in 10 or five yep. or something like that. And, uh -huh. and I believe that's 100% true. Yeah, 100% true. We tend to think that um, we don't, we would never be able to do something. And then you're putting the work every day and suddenly you find, oh, I did this. Like writing a book, um, it takes so long. And then you're just doing it one day at a time. And finally you get to the finish line. It's like, well, I can't believe it. But if you're thinking about the entire thing, it's, it's overwhelming. Because for example, in, in bodybuilding or in writing a book, you can't do it in one week. You can't do it in one day. You can't even do it in a month. Um, so it takes that humbleness of committing to submitting to the process, embracing the process, the process and saying, I'm going to keep doing it every day until I see those results. And sometimes that's frustrating because you want to see it quickly, but you don't see your muscles grow from one day to the next. Um, so you got to trust that process and then keep working it. And then eventually you know that you're going to get where you want to go. Yeah, absolutely. And so can, can you speak on some of the principles that you outlined for processes for improving? Sure. So on the improving side, the most important part for improving is feedback. We need to know what we're doing right and what we're doing wrong. Um, and many times it, it sounds obvious, but many people don't like to see how they perform. So let's say for an actor that doesn't want to see their own recordings. Um, it's like, that doesn't make any sense. You need to see it to know what you're doing. Same for a martial artist, not wanting to see their own fights. Like you need to see them. You need to know what you're doing right and what you're doing wrong so you can correct it. So there are different ways of getting feedback and then we apply it into our methods and into how we execute them. So feedback is the way we get better at anything. The other component of feedback is overcoming challenges. And this ties back into overcoming failure, mistakes, impatience. Impatience is a big one because we want things to go really fast. And sometimes we start jumping from method to method, trying to find the perfect one. The ones that is really easy or really fast. And usually there's not a perfect method. And we can use fitness again as an example. People always want the easiest, fastest way to get in shape. They're trying to find a perfect method. First of all, the perfect method doesn't exist. Second, let's imagine for a second that it does exist, okay? Even if you find the perfect method, you will still have to diet and exercise in some shape or form. You cannot escape the foundation of fitness. And it's the same for learning skills. Like we can find methods that are more efficient, but you will still have to practice and you'll still have to put in the effort. It is a struggle. There's no escaping it. That's the process. Um, so when you ask me about, if I talk about motivation, I think in the examples and just the mindset of getting to mastery and how we learn and just seeing the process in a more realistic way, I think that's very motivating. I prefer the person that's going to tell me, look, this is going to be really hard, but let me show you how. Instead of the one that's telling me, this is super easy. And then you don't get it and you think there's something wrong with you. And a lot of like language apps, this happens with, with them. It's like, learn a language in a month. No, you won't. No, you won't. <laughs> that's just not how it works. But then you think it's, it's your problem. Then you think you don't have it. Like, no, they were trying to sell you something. But if they told you, look, it's a process is difficult, but there's a way to do it and you can learn it in within eight, eight months to a year or six months. If you really apply yourself, you're like, okay, I understand what I'm facing and it's all good. And then it's taking you longer. You understand this is part of the process. I shouldn't be anxious about it. So part of it is we have this misconceptions of how, 
how quickly the learning should go. So I think I talk about motivation very indirectly as in this is the process. And now you, when you understand it, you're more accepting of the process itself. And you're also more forgiving of your own shortcomings and mistakes because you know that that's what it takes. You know that that's how it goes. So it's motivating in that sense. And also talking about the different people and how they master skills and the effort they had to put in. So when we talked about Usain Bolt, that to me is inspiring. It's like, oh, that's much, that to me says, hey, if I really wanted to run and I put a lot of effort, I could get so much better. Instead of thinking that he's just a freak of nature that never works really hard at it and he just runs pretty quickly. Like, no, you see him train, it's like, wow, okay, he's human. And that's the thing. For me, it's more motivating to see that there is a human instead of trying to think of them as superheroes and then pretending you just, you should have it. No, that's not what it is. Mastery requires, here's how I like to think about it. Mastery, the gods of mastery demand human sacrifice. And it can't come from anyone else but you. <laughs> but if you're lucky enough to find your calling, find something that you're very passionate about, then it's a sacrifice you willingly make. And in that sense, that to me is the biggest motivation. That's amazing. Can you say that again? That's another good one. <laughs> the gods of mastery the demand of mastery human demand sacrifice. Human but sacrifice. what's the second part? And it cannot come from anyone else but you. But if you find something that you really enjoy, if you find a calling or a passion in life, it is a sacrifice you willingly make. You memorize that? Because that's brilliant, man. I'm going to make that a quote. I'm going to get somebody to put some music to it. It's, it's, it's so true. And it's funny because like at the beginning of the show, I remember I was kind of like joking. I was like, holy smokes, man. You've got like the photos online and he's got like the, the business suit and the one, one looking all studly. And then uh, just the absolutely ripped ads of abs. Like, oh my God. You know what I mean? Like jeepers, creepers. But, you know, fitness is, is, um, it's one of those markers, you know what it takes. Nobody gets a free pass, you know? And that's why like, even in the spiritual game, quote unquote, I don't even know what that means, but let's say I go to festivals and I go to Burning Man and people are um, quote unquote spiritual. I don't know how to, I'm trying to frame this nicely um, yes. because you see a lot of people will, will say certain things, but they haven't like paid the dues yet, right? Like they have good intentions and they, and they, and they have, uh, you know, they want to make a difference, but you know who's paid the dues. You know what I mean? Nobody gets by without paying the dues. Same within snowboarding. They literally, that's the expression. When you eat it so hard on a handrail and Quebec actually mm. produces some of the best uh, snowboard, they call them jibbers, the people who ride rails and it's unbelievable. My friend is a, is a, Kale Hill is one of the best rail riders on the planet. And thankfully he's a like Zen athlete team member. He's an absolute boss. But when you eat it super hard going down an icy handrail in Quebec, trying some sort of crazy move on your snowboarding, they call it paying the dues and they laugh because they're just like, <laughs> eventually, sense. yeah, you yeah. got to pay the dues. You know, the gods demand sacrifice, but you know, when you pay the dues, like nothing worthwhile is easy. When you go to the gym and you, and you, and you persevere, you grow as a human. When I trained with the Shaolin monks, the biggest thing that I, I took away was how much more I'm capable of because they are the most vicious, ruthless, and unforgiving trainers you will ever meet in your life. They are, they are intense. I, the one day we do, uh, what, 
at, on Fridays, we would do mountain run where we basically run up this mountain. There's steps and then it would go into gravel and you just basically run up and down as many times as you could. And so some people would do the bear crawl down and it was quite the distance. So I'm running and my idea is that I'm going to bear crawl the first section, which is maybe uh, like a 12th of the entire thing, maybe. And I figure that that's a pretty good distance. That's a challenge. So I get to the top, I start bear calling down and I've got like, it's stones and it's uncomfortable on the hands, you know, like all that. And all of a sudden this monk that's walking up, he turns around and he starts walking beside me going down the hill. And so I have to keep going. And so I get, I'm like halfway to my mental mark of where I want to be. I get to that mental mark and he just keeps walking with me and I'm giving out. And then he just starts, he, he sees it coming cause I'm, I'm weak and I'm all jello armed and I can't, I can't do anymore. So he grabs a stick and he breaks it off in the side and he's waiting to hit me with this stick for when my <laughs> jello arms go out. So lo and behold, I'm now like twice what I thought that I could do because I know he demands sacrifice. And so yeah. <laughs> I get to that and I collapse and he just starts hitting me, hitting me. I end up going to the bottom, something that I never even conceived was possible because there was someone, you know, and I think that there's, yeah, I think even in your book, there's a chapter on mentors, um, the, mm -hmm. somebody to believe in you, to, to help you get out your, uh, your gift, your, your capabilities, your, uh, like what you have, we all have that capability. We're all made of so much more, but we're being sold out in this world that we're less like with the coronavirus thing. There's many things that bother me about it. Um, but the main thing is how many people um, discount their immune system. And because my study has been on what is possible with self-healing, what's possible with the immune system, what's possible with uh, what we're capable of and how strong we can be. But we've, we've gone into this very comfortable society. And if everybody is very comfortable, it's like the movie WALL-E, where everybody's overweight and they don't even have to uh, stand up for themselves. That's a little bit of the world we're living in. And so I imagine like back in the day, we're hunting and gathering and we have strong backs and we're strong because of all this stuff we have to do. But now because of these creature comforts, um, you know, packaged food, we don't have to really work for everything. We're always sitting down. We got the most comfortable chairs. It's actually a curse and we get lulled into this comfort. And what will happen is you get older and over older and older and you have this moment of terror that you think, Oh shit. I didn't even come close to what I was capable of. I let the comfort, the ease distract me and lure me into this comfortable feeling and hold me there when I know now what I'm capable of, what I could have understood. And I think that uh, it's, it's a, something we need to consider. There's a podcast I did with Frank Ostaseski a long time ago. He wrote, uh, the five agreements, uh, what death can teach us about fully living and the regrets people have on their deathbed. And nobody regrets going full out. Nobody regrets, um, you know, pursuing their passions relentlessly, right? But so many regret not trying because of the fear of failure. And I think that's sad because we all have the same capability. We, we all have it. And it's just applying these processes and tuning into new mindsets. And the sad thing is you would know this too, that the way that our culture exists, the way that our 
school systems exist and what's out there. It's not teaching us this culture of embracing challenge, overcoming adversity, dealing with all these things so we can become great because it's necessary. You got to fall on your bike. You want to do martial arts, you're getting punched in the face. Um, day one of the Shaolin uh, training i'm getting kicked in the back by a shaolin monk super hard and i've never even felt my my inner lungs rumble like i thought he's breaking my insides it's like what did i sign up for and so you know um we're capable of more so i'll stop talking and see what you think of all that no absolutely and i think we're just being very averse to what's being labeled as the negative emotions so trying to stay away from from pain from struggle um from discomfort and all learning, all improvement, it comes from discomfort. Um, so let's say with fitness, you need to put your body through discomfort. You need to put it through stress. The same if you want to learn anything else, like learning takes effort. And that's one of the things, and I, and I talk about it in the book, where I, lately there's been a lot of articles and, and they talk about learning should be fun. No, learning is not required to be fun. It can be fun. But it, it doesn't have to be so. It comes Just with no. pain and, and boredom and, <laughs> and frustration. And that's the process. But then we assume because we don't feel comfortable that we just shouldn't do it. Because we, we've been conditioned to just avoid anything that makes us feel uncomfortable. And that becomes a problem later in life. But imagine if we had that toxic attitude when we were growing up. We wouldn't know how to speak. We wouldn't know how to walk. We wouldn't know how to ride a bicycle. We wouldn't know anything. Because it took so much so much effort and so much failing and that's the other point and connecting back to the failures that we we take them so personally instead of just thinking yeah paying your dues and if everyone just acted like hey this is normal then we act like it's normal and we see it in kids they fall they fall really bad and they stand up like it's nothing it's when their parents go like oh my god that's when they start crying when they see how, how other people react to their fall that's when they say oh something serious just happened but if you let them fall, they, they stand back up like nothing happened and they keep playing. And we lose that. We, we start pretending that everything is just so much major and we start adding this narrative to any mistake we make. It is a problem. We, we need to keep putting our bodies and, and our mind through stress. Unfortunately, that's how we grow. All growth comes from stress. There's no way around it. Yep, absolutely. And, and pressure, right? And that's what... what um the greatest athletes and the greatest achievers that they've gone through the greatest adversity and overcame. And so understanding that we, you know, the more we improve, the more we can overcome. Just like when you start riding a bike, you know, once you get good on the two wheels, then you get a bigger bike and you fall and fall and you just get better and better and better. Um, then you have greater capabilities and it's each stage you're willing to progress to the next level. And I, I remember coaching someone and she's like, you know, I've been really struggling because you know, my other coach was talking about only do what's, what's an F yes. You ever hear that? Like the F you, you know, I won't say that word, but it's like the F yes life only do what's okay. an F yes. And, you know, philosophically and spiritually reading certain books, maybe that's possible in some sort of enlightenment realm. I don't know. But when I think about a peak performance person and what an Olympic athlete would have to go through and what I've gone through and what I've seen other masters go through, it makes no sense because they're constantly doing stuff they don't want to do, right? Like yeah. you go to the gym. It's not like you wake up and you're like, F yes, I'm going to the gym to do this. It's usually like, ah, oh, man, I don't really want to do that. And so it's actually overcoming that. But there is also the same thing of like, make the goal 
the F yes. If that mm-hmm. goal and that direction is so inspiring and fulfilling by your own standards, that's what I feel like the integration is, is to have the, you know, that's going to give you the motivation, the energy and the will to overcome all the adversities that will indeed happen. And, and each time you have an adversity, you learn, you, you grow and you expand and it's wonderful. Um, exactly. I want you build, you build resilience. And yeah. do you know the story of Felix? Uh, I don't know how to pronounce his name. He's the guy that jumped to earth from the stratosphere. Yeah, Baumgartner, I think, or something, something like that. Like that. And yeah. he quit at one point in the, in the halfway through the process. I heard that. Because he was claustrophobic and he's like, I can't, I can't do this. And then they brought his sports psychologist and he started working through his, his fear of being in this capsule and just going like one step at a time and everything. So it was very scary. And that's the thing. If you want to achieve great things, you're going to have to put your body through discomfort. And sometimes it's just, you're really scared about what you're trying to do. But as you said, the goal is such a, yes, let's do this, that you go through the, the how. So I think the quote is from Nietzsche, that if we have a strong enough why, and I'm paraphrasing, we can bear almost any how. So that's the idea. You choose a goal that is like, yes, absolutely. But the how is going to bring some pain and suffering. It's Love just it. finding, finding something to suffer for. And I think that uh, Viktor Frankl, the, the author of um, A Man's Search for Meaning, he talks about that. Uh, purpose of life is finding something that you're willing to struggle and to suffer for. But there will be suffering. Once we know it, then we take it on and say like, yeah. So as a personal example, throughout the process of writing the book, uh, it, was, it was a nightmare. Like many times it was very difficult one time I got to, I was writing at the local Starbucks and I go to order my coffee and they say, well, this, this one's free. I'm like, why is it free? And they said, well, the manager saw you yesterday and you seem to be really angry and like very, uh, I don't know, just upset about stuff. So we thought that we ruined your coffee. So this one's, this one's free. I'm like, it had nothing to do with the coffee. Basically every day I come here, I open up my laptop and I suffer. That's what I've been doing for the past few months. But I can only imagine what kind of phase I was doing just trying to write this thing. And, and I said, like, I'm not going to do this ever again. And I said to a friend and my friend, like, once you finish, you're going to start the next one right away because you love suffering. I'm like, no, I don't want this. And then just a couple of weeks later, I realized I never loved hating something so much. <laughs> And I just developed this love for writing. It's a love-hate relationship. I think we all need some kind of, um, I don't know, self-inflicted pain. And I don't have vices. I don't do drugs. I don't drink alcohol or anything. So I think I just do that through learning certain things or stuff that I find that is painful. Like writing is painful. It brings back this uh, quote from Hemingway. He used to say, I don't like writing. I like having written. (laughs) and i feel that way with exercising and with a lot of things that take effort but once you do them you feel really good about yourself it's like oh i'm keeping my own promises and sometimes it's just about that how you feel about yourself and knowing that you're putting in the work to accomplish what you set out set out to accomplish that's a really great story and it reminds me of uh some some talk I watched and it said, uh, the reason why you don't have self-confidence is because you keep breaking agreements with yourself. Right. Yeah. And so even if you can start with small ones, right, just st- start small, you know, in, in my books and athlete, it, you know, for meditation, I just say, start with one minute a day. 
right? Everyone just says the same excuses. I don't know what to do. I don't know if I'm doing it. Nobody does. It's, that's the thing, right? So just do one minute on the timer. Then the next day, two, mm -hmm. the next day, three, the next day, four, just really time, tiny baby steps. But when you create that agreement with yourself and show up and do it, you build self-confidence. Whether you want to do paint, whether you want to do writing, whether you want to educate yourself, whether you want to read a book you've been waiting to read, put on the timer 10 minutes for the first day. Five, something so small, five mm -hmm. minutes. And then build the consistency of showing up and that's going to improve your self-confidence and you're going to start to build that into a habit. And it's so important. We want to like um, do it all in the one day, right? We're going to have the Saturday yeah. off and we're going to do it all in one chunk and then we end up doing nothing because it's too overwhelming. And so little tiny chunks is really going to um, help us propel, propel forward. So it's, you know, everything that you're sharing is, is really on point. Can you speak a little bit about um, mastery um, and, and the path to mastery and your last, last, chapter or, or sub chapter is Kaizen. So I'm curious yes. about that, what that means. I know that that's awesome, um, but explain it to me and talk about mastery. Sure. Um, I'll take just one step back. And make it easy. Up. I want to, I don't want to do, I don't want any effort involved. I want mastery <laughs> to be easy, right? Give me the, you know, it's funny because I remember when I, when I train with the, the Tibetan monks, I wanted to be mm. enlightened, right? Mm. I've always been looking for the secret, the quote unquote secret, like Kung Fu Panda. That's why I went to China to find the secret of all of this. What's the secret of performance, of mindset? There's no damn secret. I, that's what I know for sure. I had to spend so much money and so much time. But the secret really is like the process. The secret really is exactly. dedication. The secret is overcoming adversity. The secret is just showing up. There's, yeah. that's, that's the, you just have to like hear it and accept it. But I'm very stubborn. And I refuse to accept it and I still don't, but there are tools and processes that make yes. performance better and perspectives that allow it to be more expansive and supportive towards the goal. So that, that works, but you can, you wouldn't even have to read your book or my book or any book on peak performance or sports psychology or mindset. If you go, I'm just going to show up and do this. I'm just going to keep showing up no matter what. Cool. Mm -hmm. Actually, you don't need to read anything. Go ahead and enjoy. Let us know yeah. how it went, right? You win. You won. Exactly. <laughs> this, this secret has been revealed time and again. We just don't want to believe it. Yeah, yeah exactly. The secret, <laughs> the secret weight loss, you know what I mean? And even if you like did liposuction and you don't change anything, then mm. six months later, same problems. It's back. Right? It's yeah. back. So it, it doesn't exist. It's just we don't want to hear it. I still don't want to hear it. But so tell we me the used to accept that it's <laughs> that that's what it takes. It's sometimes so I studied magic for a while. Mm. And sometimes I'll, I'll learn these methods of like uh, cardistry and sleight of hand. And so when you see the illusion, it's like, wow, that's amazing. Uh, I want to know how to do it. And when you know what it takes to do the damn trick, you're like, I wish this thing were just magic. Because the amount of work it's going to take for me to get to that point. <laughs> so yeah, we, we don't want to believe that that's the secret, that it's just long-term commitment and doing the work every day I'm like no there, it has to be something else because uh, i refuse <laughs> to yeah, accept yeah. that that's what it takes and we that's when it, we start jumping from method to method trying to find like that that perfect one and that's how people get our money it's like oh try my method you're gonna do it so much quicker this is gonna be painless and mm. and we want to believe it it's, we know deep down that that's not gonna happen but we want to believe it's true because we're not willing to put in the work but if we spend the time that we spend like jumping from method to method into just one of them, we would be 
like actually improving in our skills. And then along the way, find ways to optimize it. So this reminds me of people that want to learn to speed read, but they don't read. Like, you're still not going to be reading at the same speed. Okay, first start reading. <laughs> Tell me that you're reading every day and now you're frustrated because you want to be able to read more or read faster. Got it. Now let's find a way to optimize that process. But I want you doing it. So it's like, a way to put it is I don't trust you with a better method if you're not willing to try a less efficient one and commit to that one. Because mm -hmm. then you're not worthy of it. Why? If I give you an easier one, you're still going to quit it because next week you're going to want an even easier one. So there's no point for me. If someone told me it's going to take me 10 years to learn Japanese, I would still say yes, because I want to learn it. I know it doesn't take 10 years, but if someone told me that, then you're willing to take it. So the thing is sometimes when we have all these different offers of learn it quickly, learn it easily, that dilutes purpose because now we want to take 20 things and we don't give them the value they deserve. But when we realize how much commitment it takes, how much work is behind it, it makes us choose carefully. Like, okay, this really matters to me. And I'm willing to put as much time and energy as it takes to get it done. So when we look at masters from history, for them, it wasn't about how long or how difficult it would be to create their masterpieces. So like Da Vinci or uh, Michelangelo. And a great example is uh, Gilberti. So it took him 30 years to build this uh, baptistry doors. And then he was commissioned another set that took another 30. You know, like, really? 30 years on a piece of work. For them, it wasn't about how long is this thing going to take or how difficult it's going to be. It was about realizing their vision. So that's the first part. Like, you need to choose that vision. And then ignoring the, the so-called hacks. So I'm very against learning hacks. Mm -hmm. Hacks are usually about achieving some kind of result that you try to portray as mastery of the skill. And the example I'll give is, think of that friend that beats everyone at Mortal Kombat or Street Fighter with a projectile attack or a, or a low kick. Okay? <laughs> <laughs> it's that, that's so that's funny because I like know what you're talking about and there's going to be just a <laughs> part of the audience is just getting mad at their buddy for doing that. Like, son of a... <laughs> exactly. But that's a hack. <laughs> Yes, you win against your friends, but you haven't mastered the game. Mastering the game is knowing your character, knowing the, the combos, understanding the, the game dynamics, mastering strategy is different. So hacking is about just finding a way, a cheat in the system to get some kind of result that you then pretend that is mastering whatever you're trying to master. But it's, it's superficial. It doesn't have the depth of really learning something. So if you imagine, say you want to write uh, fiction and then you learn some kind of a formula and then all you write is in their formula then what's the point the idea is that you become part with your craft with a skill so they become your life companions they bring you joy they bring you happiness we're trying to build a deeper relationship with what we're pursuing i'm, I'm okay with hacks as long as it's in things that you don't care about but if it's something that you really you really value then you shouldn't be going for hacks you should be going for the depth, like trying to master every piece of it and mm -hmm. learning all the different details, the intricacies of your craft, that's more rewarding. So I think it's first knowing that you're doing it for the, the right reasons um, and then committing to doing that work for however long it takes. And it doesn't matter if you learn slower than others. Um, it goes back to that point, like who cares? 
So let's say it takes you longer. So what? So let's say a friend of mine will learn Japanese in six months and it's going to take me a year. So what? I'm still willing to do it <laughs> because I want to. I want to learn Japanese. Um, so it's that point. Like you forget about what everyone else is doing as you focus on your own process. Many times we're just obsessed about the best and we're not willing to take on a skill if we don't have the physical structure or whatever could be the absolute best. Like why do it if we could never be at the top of the top? Like, no, what about being among the best? We need to remember that the entire, like Michael Phelps was not the entire swimming Olympic team of the US. There wasn't other great swimmers in that team. Is that not worthy? What about just being your best? Let's say you already passed your prime physically and you could not think of playing professional basketball. You're 5'5 five five and, and you're 40 years old. But it doesn't matter, but you could be your best. You can develop the skill and even master the skill. Mastering the skill of basketball has nothing to do with height, has nothing to do with age. Dribbling, passes, all those different things, they're independent. So why is not that a noble goal to pursue? Just being your best. That doesn't require genes. That doesn't require luck. It just requires hard work. A lot of hard work. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All, everything you just shared there is absolutely brilliant and on point. And it reminds me of the idea that you just be cheating yourself. Like, let's say you go and, and you run like 10 miles. Like I, um, when you're done that first 10 miles or your five miles, you build your character, right? If you like art and you want to start doing art, you build your character each time you show up and it's your expression or your business or whatever, or your um, ability to be a good parent or anything, right? It's your expression. If you want the easy way, it circumvents the learning. Now, there are effective tools and processes, but the thing exactly. is like- how many times I get the idea, like, what's the best way to meditate? What's the best way to lose weight? What's uh, the best way for, um, you know, like consciousness hacks? What's the, right? And, mm -hmm. and, and because I do all the, pro I like, that's been my um, process is do everything. I just do it all. And what I've realized is no one thing is, is the ultimate way, but just experiment with some ways, but it's in the experimentation, you get the learning and value. And you have to go through it and, and how you feel when you overcome something, when you sit and write and hate your computer and, you know, go through that process, but show up because the goal is meaningful. When you go to the gym, even though you don't want to, when you make a better choice, it, it's, if you get the easy way, you don't get any of the learning and you end up cheating yourself. And, and it really is about the process. And, you know, I was thinking about the comparison, how many people don't try anything because they just compare. It's supposed to be fast and easy. It's like, it just, mm. it will take as long as it, it takes. It's a yes. much more empowering person. It will take as long as it takes for me. I don't need to be the fastest or the best. I'm going to start a process um, and put my intention there and, and allow it to unfold without attachments. And then we're kind of getting into some Zen philosophy, which I think is really, really important. And even in your mastery out, um, outline, you talk about uh, one day at a time, do the work, mm -hmm. process over outcomes, make uh, progress the main goal. And I, I was wondering if you talk about um, taking risks, overcoming success, those, those two ideas specifically. Sure. I'll get to that point in a sec. I wanted to add something to what you said. Yeah, sure. Um, so many times people look for efficiency with the wrong mindset. And this is something that I saw researching the master's is people are looking for efficiency as a way to do less and still mm -hmm. get results. Mm -hmm. What the masters try to do is keep the effort steady 
but optimize so they can maximize the results. Now there's a subtle difference there. So if we put this in fitness perspective, let's say you find a way to work out half the time and still get the same results. So people want that less effort. But then a bodybuilder would say, wow, I found a way to optimize the process. I'm going to keep working out for the same amount of time I'm working, but now my results are going to be exponential. Mm. So that's the difference. Instead of looking for ways to optimize the process so you do less, it's ways to optimize the process so you get more. So part of my philosophy and what I'm presenting in the book is like, here's how you optimize the learning process so you can get more out of it. Not so you put less effort, so you improve faster, so you get better, so you achieve more instead of let's do less. So that's the point that I wanted to, to bring across. Now about the taking risks, taking risks, and uh, which is the other one that you wanted to talk about? Overcome success and, and we'll finish with the Kaizen because I'm curious about that. Oh, right. Yes, yes, yes. I jumped the Kaizen. I'm coming back to it. Well, overcoming success is this idea that once we, we achieve some success, we're going to have new challenges. So when we're starting out and improving our skills, we have challenges like the plateaus, impatience, um, failures, mistakes. But then with success, we also get some challenges, which is overconfidence, um, is when we start thinking that we're too good. We no longer need to train as hard. Uh, this happens a lot to martial artists, like they become the champions. And it's, it's different what it takes for you to become a champion than it is to, be, to stay a champion. Because now you're at the top and you're not trying to fight someone above you. You're trying to fight the ones that are coming for you. But the motivation is different. And it's, sometimes it's harder to just stay champion than become champion. So overconfidence is one that starts hitting people. It's like, oh, I'm already the champion. I don't really need to work that hard. I don't need to train that hard. And with everyone around you telling you how great you are, then you start believing the, the myth. And then the next thing that happens, you get knocked out because the guy that was challenging you, he was putting in the work. Um, so yes, overconfidence. The other one is ego. This is kind of around the same idea. We start thinking we're too great. We're above the work. And in reality, we have to renew or effort every single day. Uh, so we need to let our success, successes, successes expire. We need to take every new project as this is a new thing and I need to prepare just as well. So I like the example of Michael Schumacher, who many times he had his, the world title secured, like halfway through the season and uh, like way before the end of the season. And he'll still be racing just as quickly, which is so much intention to win. Like it didn't matter to him is I need to prove myself every single day and every single race. So that's for ego. And then the last one is, is just fear. When you come good at something, let's say you have some success as a musician and then your album is well received. Now is the fear of, can I replicate this? Am I still good enough? Can I outdo what I just did? So then, and with that fear comes a big problem with, which is you try to imitate yourself. Try to do what you did before instead of trying to push to greater heights. So those the overcoming success. And the last one, the Kaizen. Um, so Kaizen is the word, the Japanese word for improvement, but it's also this uh, philosophy of never ending search for betterment. Hmm. Um, so it became kind of a personal philosophy that expanded around the world. And the idea is that we, never look at ourselves as being too good for something. So even if we're a master at something, we should never consider ourselves as the master, always an apprentice, an apprentice. All masters know that there's more to do, more to learn. So they remain devoted students of their craft 
and of themselves. So the idea of we should always be striving for more and knowing that we're never going to reach perfection, but we're going to strive for as long as we can. That's Kaizen, the never-ending search for improvement. So we want to see it in a, it's kind of a dark way to put it, but I like seeing it that way. So if you're seeing like this long path, so mastery is this path that never ends. We just drop dead somewhere along the way. <laughs> <laughs> it's dark. Well, the way I was, I, was, I was thinking about it is like an Instagram notifications of all the 20 somethings that have figured life out so far. You know what I mean? It's just like a Kaizen boop in the face. You know what I mean? It's just like, we need a little bit of humble pie out there in the world right now um, for, for some of the people. But I love, I love yes. that principle. And I feel like one of the benefits that I've had in my life, the luxuries I've had is, is martial arts is what it taught me about some of these principles, um, about the respect of teachers, about learning, about failure, about respecting your, um, your classmates, your, you know, um, the idea of always learning. And these are simple concepts, but when you get out in the world, it's scary. And we get into this ego of needing to be good at everything. Right. And we just, basically pretend we're good at everything and everything's sorted out. And we, we kind of lack this uh, humility um, of ourselves. And, and we're like, we can't, we can't let people know that we're not good, that we failed. Right. Um, yes. You know, I remember once like three years ago, maybe I was doing the podcast and uh, I, you know, I, I, I had some momentum going and something didn't work out and, and uh, I had to borrow money from my parents. It was like a thousand bucks. And I think I was like 30 and I just cried. It was awful. And I was like, how am I this old and I am still failing? You know what I mean? And I was like, it was really rough, you know? And um, I talked to my mom who I'm grateful mm -hmm. to have, you know, I, I don't think I would have achieved anything I have without her. And um, I just talked to her and she's like, you've never given up. You know what I mean? You never, ever, ever give up. And uh, mm -hmm. so it was hard, you know what I mean? It's rough and, and it sucks it sucks to just keep failing and like try and do something, but yes. you know, understanding that it is a process. And if in like, what I like to say is if it's meaningful and you don't give up, it's inevitable. It's mm -hmm. going to be inevitable. Right. And if, yes. and if you're um, fulfilled with your process, if you're each and every day looking at it and being like, I'm creating my life on by on purpose, on purpose is scary. Default is easy. I did a video on this today. Default is like, whatever the universe is going to throw at you, whatever your society, you don't really have to question too much. You show up, you get a paycheck. You don't, you don't rustle the feathers. That's nice and easy. It's comfortable in there, right? Mm. You know what you're going to get, but to be deliberate, who do I want to be around? What types of people? How do I want to contribute? What am I made of? What do I want to do? You know what I mean? I want to snowboard off mountains and train with crazy people and do all that kind of stuff. And, oh. and there's other things that I desire to do. And you, you match it with the, contentment i think this is where the zen philosophy is really helpful to be content with who you are with what you know with what you have um, with your skills and abilities as they are just however you are it's like you know when you're six years old you know my daughter when she gets six or whatever it's like oh you don't know how to ride a bike you're not good enough then you go into mm -hmm. uh you know, high school. Oh, you know, when I'm in high school and I can kind of have my own autonomy, then I'm good enough. And then they go right out of high school into college and university. Oh, you know, when you have your major and you graduate, then you're good enough. Right. But then you automatically become this adult and you're supposed to have something figured out at 24 and you don't, but then even at 34, you know, I'm a bit older than that, you know, 36, but um, you know, you still don't have anything really figured out. 
And that's why these masters and these ancient traditions, they'll be like 60, 70 years mastering something. They know, they only know a bit of a bit. And that's what Socrates said, you know, to know, Mm -hmm. uh, what is it? I just, I know that I know nothing. Right. And just a bit of a bit. And when we can understand that we can be more forgiving on ourselves to just be students. It's the idea like Kaizen to be a student, to be a willing and open student. And that's, you know, what you need to be in martial arts is, is always be a student. Even if you're a teacher, you're still a student. You're still always learning. You're still always evolving. And it's a much more empowering mindset because on the flip side, you have to be the master and you're, you're creating facade because nobody is like, knows everything. You know, you know something, mm-hmm. right? But you also know that you had to earn what you know. And there is more to grow. And so you're, you're humble, um, but you're also confident in your ability to build and grow in a direction that is inspiring to you. And, you, and you're willing, you say, you know what, I, I can do this. I put in this effort and I built this. Now I can take that same philosophy and I can do this and I can do yes. that. And that's where true empowerment is. Exactly. I, I love your story about in the podcast. And thanks so much for, share, for sharing that. And and this is an important point and is a little bit outside of learning, but you, you went through a dark place. And what's important is that a lot of good came from that. So we tend to label all these emotions as something negative, but in reality, every invention and a lot of the progress that we have came from those so-called negative emotions or people being in discomfort of saying like, well, I hate um, candlelight <laughs> and how come the world doesn't have this thing? And then there was this deep frustration of creating something else. And many times when I've been on my darkest, that's when after it's like, okay, what am I going to do? And now you have like this new purpose and you get this second wave of energy, but it comes from being dis- dissatisfied and from sometimes falling. So there is a lot to gain from those emotions as well. We've just been conditioned to avoid them and to think that they're negative. They're just part of it. All emotions are there for a reason. If you feel bad about yourself, it's telling you, you need to change something. You need to improve. So when you fight and then you get defeated and you feel horrible, it's like, you got to train harder. All these are lessons. So yes, it's really important that we reframe the way we're thinking about or dark points and or difficulties because they can propel us to the greater stuff if we use them the right way. Yep. Absolutely agree, man. This has been a treat. I loved all this incredibly practical. Um, I definitely invite people to check out your book when you go check out his book. And if you were to buy the book, which I suggest doing, um, because I know good books when I see them and I'm going to get one for myself, um, leave a review because they're freaking helpful. So leave a review unless it sucks. If it, if you think it sucks, (laughs) don't, don't be a, uh, an a-hole and leave a bad review. Just, you know what I mean? Just keep it to yourself. And the guy did his bad effort. I think, you know, the other thing that I think is, is crappy in our culture is that we've got this culture of people just being total D-bags everywhere. And that's why people are so afraid to create, right? So everybody's yes. so quick to throw a tomato. It's just a culture of crab in the bucket. And now, you know, we have this culture of fear. And if you're not afraid, then you're all of a sudden the enemy. I was like, nah, it's, you know, being, uh, having courage and not having fear is like a bad thing. Mm-hmm. No, you, you can still like, if you go to war, right? The people who are afraid, they're going to all die, right? You need people that have courage. You, you understand there's a danger, but you have the skill, capability, and capacity to handle that adversity. 
That's what we're all capable of. And so what happens is we have this culture of throwing tomatoes of anybody that steps outside of that norm to try to bring them back in because it makes the average person feel uncomfortable, right? They see someone else do it and they recognize that they have that ability too. And so it's much easier to be, um, you know, a butt, you know? So if we could be more supportive, you know, when people fall, not throw tomatoes at them, but say, Hey, that's a great effort. You know what I mean? Like here's some feedback that might help you go do it again. You know, uh, the failures and the attempts, they should be, uh, they should be celebrated as a culture. We should be supporting other humans, uh, efforts, all of us. And so be a supportive person, you know what I mean? Help other people be collaborative. Um, you know, and, but culturally it's, it's super disappointing. You know, humans, they really disappoint me sometimes, you know, I'm not even talking about the evil ones. I'm just talking about your everyday Joe's just being a, yeah. you know, like be nicer to each other, be more encouraging. And you would, you would like, you know, it's amazing to have a, a daughter and, and see it's changed my perspective a lot, but you see how kids are encouraging other kids. Why is it when we become adults, we don't do that? Mm-hmm. Why is it because we become a certain age, we become buttholes and you know, I think it's because we become competitive, right? And there's not enough. We have this lack mentality, right? And so, yeah. you know, if we can just consider being kinder to each other, I think you want to chime into that? I'm just yeah. kind of repeating the same thing. <laughs> yeah, I think a big part of that is that when we see someone doing something and let's say it's a good effort, see a good writer, a good writer puts out a book or something, then we feel worse about ourselves. And because we're not doing the work and then, it's easier to just trash someone else's work and it makes us feel better about ourselves saying, well, no, that was horrible um, because you're not doing it. So we feel threatened when someone else is doing a good thing. And I'll admit, I've been, I've been guilty of that. Sometimes I've seen something really good and just like, damn, I wish it was, it wasn't that good. I wish that person wasn't getting so much praise because yes, it makes me feel bad about myself because I know I could have done the same. Like I could have put in the work, and also do my own art or my music or whatever. So let's say a friend that did really well in music and I was in music too. And then that person is doing really well. I'm thinking, oh, damn. But, then, but it's because I could have done it too and I just stopped. But then that person stood with it, stuck with it. So sometimes it's just, we feel worse and then that's what makes us criticize. Then Michelangelo, this is this great quote from him. He says, instead of criticize, create. Or if you're going to criticize, create. So if you have something bad to say, let's say you read a book and you say, this is horrible, then you make your own and make it better. And then there's going to be space for that. But I think for me, going into different fields of creativity, when you create anything, and in this case, for example, the book, then there's so much respect for anyone that has put out something because you, now you've gone through the process and you know the pains, you know the fears, just put it out there for the world to judge. Then the, it just gives you this empathy of even if I read a book and I wouldn't like it, I, I wouldn't be living a horrible review. Like if I had something to say uh, constructive, I'll try to reach that person individually instead of trying to do it publicly. It's like, hey, you could improve it this and this way and this is what I think. Um, but man, like knowing the amount of work and so much of your heart that goes out, it, it would feel hypocritical to just criticize someone openly and in a mean way after you've done any creative work. 
So in that sense, uh, I don't know if, if it's something that I'm imagining, but I would say that anyone that is really mean online to anyone creating something is because they never tried to create something themselves. If they knew how hard it is, it will be humbling. And they'll be like, oh shit, that person deserves some respect just for doing the effort. Because mm-hmm. that's what it is. Sometimes it's just with the effort, you're like, wow, well done. It's, it's not the greatest of the products, but you put in that effort, just putting out a book or putting out a podcast or um, just anything, putting out an album. Wow. Respect. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. And, and I think that, you know, culture would be nice to celebrate each other celebrate our efforts um, to encourage each other. And, I, and, you know, so many people that I work with uh, and, you know, interestingly, the better they are at writing, the more that they're actually naturally gifted at the thing, the more fear they have to put it out because their identity is now attached to it. Right. Mm-hmm. If you completely suck at something, then you're kind of fine because you don't identify with being good at it. You just go participate and we should be okay to participate and suck. Okay. To participate and be average. Okay. To just participate and share what we want to share. And just like, if you think of kids, like when they write a story, you don't piss on it because it's not perfect. And we all have different levels, but creation through positive intention should be celebrated. And what I think this fear is creating is people creating out of fear through ego. So it's like, it's not their best effort. It's kind of masked in these different ways. It's not authentic. Right. And so then Mm -hmm. it has to be sold and, and massaged. And so there's all this um, lack of, uh, authenticity and congruence and just be yourself. That's good enough. Have that real intention and put it out there. And when you see that, you know, um, yeah, like be supportive of what, what, what you notice. If you notice yes. one of your friends going for it, uh, help them. If you notice them losing weight, uh, help them. If you, you know, support 100%. them. If you notice they want to write yes. a book and you look and Nick is writing his book and be like, you're like, I suck at writing. Like, bro, good for you. Keep writing it. You got it, buddy. You know what I mean? Yes. You know, it, keep it, going be, and you'll get yeah, better. Keep going. You know what I mean? You got it. And it would be so supportive uh, and, and uh, helpful. And not a lot of people do that. And so hopefully people yes. can think about that too, you know, as they see that, you know, look Look for ways to encourage and support and, for sure. and be awesome. <laughs> One idea to keep in mind, and I wanted to share that as well. Um, so I talk in the book about a concept of bestism. So mm. we know the idea of perfectionism. So trying to be perfect, which is a trap. We can never get be perfect or make our work perfect. And usually it's a trap that it is caused by fear. So we start procrastinating because no, it needs to be perfect. It needs to be perfect. Never be perfect. But there is the other side. Um, which is a, a line that has become very popular of uh, done is better than perfect. And so, yeah, perfectionism is a trap, but then also just rushing to the finish line because you're not willing to put in the work. That's just mediocre. So the point that we're trying to get to is bestism doing our best effort, even if it's far from perfect. Mm. So just try to do your best and get there. There is this example where I took this section of the book and I could not get it right. And I rewrote it at least 30 times. And at one point I stopped and I said, my skills as a writer cannot make this part of this section better. Here's where I stop and get to move on. That was my best. Way far from perfect, but I knew I gave it my best. And that's what any, anyone can ever do. So you do your best. It doesn't matter if you fall short, but it is your best. And then you get that feeling of, wow, I gave it all. And this is it. There's always satisfaction, as you were saying before, that people regret not going all out. So that's it. And the last story that I wanted to share, this is from uh, Jiro Ono. He's, the, he's recognized as 
the best sushi chef in the world, Japanese old man. And he was saying that after 50 years working at sushi, I haven't mastered sushi yet. Every day I'm trying to learn and get better. And what impressed me the most, I was watching his documentary, it's called uh, Jiro Dreams of Sushi. He's explaining how at age 80 or whatever it was, he started wearing gloves. And I'm like, oh, that makes sense because, I mean, there's like the vinegar and the sushi, like probably messing with his hands. And then he explains, no, I started wearing gloves for everything else except making sushi because I want my hands, my tact perfectly to understand if the rice is at the right point with the right amount of vinegar and the fish is the freshness. I'm like, my God. So he wears gloves all day except when he gets to make sushi. That's mastery. Okay. <laughs> That's commitment to your craft. That's the point we should aspire to get to. <laughs> That's amazing. Wow. Dude, well, this has been a, a pleasure. I appreciate, you know, your work and, and being able to write the book and putting it out there and, and everything you shared is on point. You know what I mean? It, it's, it's 100% on point and incredibly helpful. Where can people find more about you if they want to pick up the book and where you put out content? Sure. So the easiest way would be my website is unlimitedmastery.com. So in there, you're going to find the links to the book and to my social media, all the other places. So unlimitedmastery.com or on Amazon and any place that, where they sell books, Learning Proof Mastery is the name of the book. Awesome. Thank Thanks, you man. Thank you so much for having me, man. Yeah, dude, Had this has been time. great. Uh, thank you guys for watching. We'll catch you in the next episode. Thanks again. Yeah, peace. There you have it, ladies and gentlemen, the absolutely phenomenal Nick Velasquez. I hope that you enjoyed that episode. I certainly did. Check out his book. It's full of practical tools and insights. Uh, you know, he really knows what he's talking about. So I love the effective tools. Um, I'm so excited to get a, ha a handle on his book. He's going to send me out the hard copy. He created some exclusive content for you guys inside the Academy. Yes, there is bonus content um, inside the Academy, exclusive training from guests. And Nick was kind enough to make some videos for you guys that are inside the academy would love to see you over there um, there's also meditations brainwave and treatment the absolutely fantastic soul compass course um, so would love to have you guys over there uh, consider becoming a patron even if you want to toss a buck in the bucket it helps more than you know um, and leave a review share this episode uh, tag myself at Matt Belair tag Nick um, share it on Instagram all those things are just incredibly helpful uh, so that's it and the best way to support the show is uh, one kind act in the world today and if you want to do one on one coaching just hit me up Matt at mattbelair.com forward slash coaching would love to work with you or your organization or do training for whatever you have on peak performance meditation mental health all that stuff is so fantastic for me to talk about I love it I love it so much and so I love working with you guys uh, out, out in the world so that's it let's come into a state of peace and coherence Wherever you are in the world, just stop what you're doing. Take in a deep breath in through your nose. Hold that breath. And just let it out slowly, filling every cell, muscle, and fiber of your being with peace, joy, confidence, connection, enthusiasm, energy, positivity, and ready to take on the rest of the day. So thank you so much for listening. Wishing you all of the best. And I'll see you in the next episode.